Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment Podcast. My name, <laughs> My name is Mark Try not to laugh. <laughs> oh, I mean, you should make that a challenge every week so that you fail every week. Yes. And, yes. and because this is what our listeners want. They, they actually just want the Kate laugh track. I may just make that part of a permanent intro of you just laughing for 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. How yeah. are you, Mark? Oh, well, I, I haven't even said who I am yet. You didn't let me because you were laughing too much. <laughs> I'm Mark. I'm here with Kate. She won't stop laughing. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we're all in the shit right now. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I can't I can't claim... I tried to muster as much enthusiasm for that intro as I could, but I can't claim to be uh, feeling that in my life right now. And and you and I were chatting before we started recording. Like, like yeah, uh, there's like a crazy big war thing going on in mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe. And it's I think it's weighing on all of us. I think it's been weighing on yes. both of us uh, as people who kind of watch the watch the news and engage in politics. And, and I just like, it just has these hallmarks of, of something that could become significantly worse. And, and it's just an, it's, it's a strange time to be testing that just with nuclear proliferation and all like, like, yeah, yes. like, I, I see folks like our friend John Hyman, you know, pointing out like this was this was what happened at the beginning of World War II, and and maybe we should do something more. And and I'm like, well, but but at the beginning of World War II, Hitler didn't have a nuke to respond with yes. if you sent ground troops in. And I'm like, if I if I'm making the call here, and thankfully I'm not, like <laughs> I'd be like, do I escalate? How long do I escalate before the other side over escalates? Because that guy's crazy. Yeah. And he has nukes. Yeah. I, I'm just, there's no Fragile right answer male here. Male egos. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and there's no, there's no right or wrong actual answer right now. I think everybody's just kind of muddling through. And for those that want a more hawkish response, I think there's reasons why that's a bad idea. For those who are mm-hmm. okay with a, a less hawkish, a more dovish, you know, response, I think that there's good reasons and bad reasons there too. And they're all right and they're all wrong. And everything's fucked up, and that's where I'm at. How are you? Uh, again, personally, great. Worldwide, ugh, man, this is really, really difficult. So I, I, you know, have friends in the diplomatic corps, and so I'm watching for them, making sure that they're okay, and watching their temperament and stuff. And it is anxiety inducing, particularly, and I realize this is so far removed from what could happen, but I have a 17 and a 14 year old. 
And if the trajectory of World War II matches closely to what's happening now, they will both be drafted. And so it's like it's a whole new level of anxiety on top of pandemic anxiety, on top of racism and misogyny and on top of, you know, inflation on top. Like it's a rolling set of crises. And so trying to find joy for me in the form of snow tubing down a hill and beating my boyfriend um, is where I've been doing my best at the moment. So I think that's fair. And, And I think, you know in some ways this podcast, like we try to put a happy spin on stuff by laughing, uh, but we cover some, some sad and dark stuff and today yeah. will be no exception. Uh, no. but, uh, you know, but we're going to start with the happy news, right? Uh, well, we're, yeah, I mean, so, well, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. I didn't know. I didn't know that's where we were starting and <laughs> we, we tried to transition there, but I had one other thing I needed to talk about first, which is oh, yes. Yes. last, our last episode, the one before this one, I forget what it's called because I don't have it up on my screen. Uh, but, Kate wants to talk about TNA. Oh, yeah. Kate talks about TNA. <laughs> uh, some of you may have noticed that the initial upload for that episode was just Kate's track. And it, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, it was I actually thought it was pretty awesome when I, you know, I mean, I, first I was I was mortified. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, actually, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> just to hear you laughing and talking to yourself. Uh, and you know, one or two folks may have pointed out that that significantly improved the podcast. Uh, and I can't really argue with that. Can't argue with that. But some of you did prefer, prefer bleh, to hear the episode with my audio included as well. So, uh, if you ended up trying to listen and couldn't listen and just turned it off, uh, go back, re-download it. Uh, I did update the episode. It now has the full audio uh, it does some some apps update it automatically. Some you need to manually do it. Uh, so if you're one of those those folks who tried to listen to our last episode and are like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> and then just gave up because that's what I would do. Uh, you can go back. You can re-download it. There is an actual conversation going on. Uh, much as I think it would be funny to just hear Kate talking to herself. So <laughs> well, now uh, you know so, it's like in my brain. Scary place. That's right. So. Uh, okay, with that disclaimer out of the way, uh, we are going to, I guess we're going to start with uh, good news, sorta. Yes. Good because news, I had more, yep. so so we, we previewed this, but we don't actually tell each other what we're going to talk about. And so there's actually more to this that you may Ooh. not know about. So okay. we're going to talk about, very briefly here, the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, we have several episodes I don't know them offhand and didn't do my research before we started recording today, but you can go back over the last couple of years. I think it was two summers ago that uh, they lost their lawsuit and filed an appeal uh, with the Ninth Circuit. Uh, That, and we talked about it on several episodes, Um, uh, that lawsuit that was pending with the Ninth Circuit uh, settled last week and it settled for $24 million dollars. Uh, that includes $22 million in back pay, another $2 million in post-career planning and other initiatives. Uh, and going forward, the U.S. Women's National Team uh, will also have a pay structure equal to the men. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was far That's less significant. Than, so it's significant. Um, and many players like Megan Rapino and others came out. 
uh, declaring this uh, settlement as a huge victory in the case. Now, this was far less than what was sought, right? So right. they sought 67 60, million? 66 is the number I have in front of me, but close enough okay. either way. Uh, but 66 is what they sought. 24 is what they ended up getting. That actually, from a from a litigation standpoint, strikes me as about where I might expect if you lost and you appealed and you're trying not to have to go through the appeal and both sides are gauging the, the risk of, uh, yeah. you know, US, US soccer in particular is, okay, well, am I at, at risk of getting the, of this of getting overturned uh, and I, being mm-hmm. on, on the hook for a lot more? Uh, so that that's probably part of their equation here. Um, but many of the players like Megan Rapino and others came out exclaiming this as a huge victory. And I don't actually have any reason to, to disagree with that, except one person does. <laughs> and who would that be? That person is Hope Solo. Do you know who Hope Solo is? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. But there's a whole other backstory with Hope Solo versus the U.S. women's national team overall. So. Well, that's what we're going to talk about, Kate. Okay. So, <laughs> Hope Solo. She's a contrarian by nature. Uh, for real. Uh <laughs> So she came out and criticized the settlement as a quote unquote heartbreaking and infuriating. So I don't think she was down with settling at all. I think she wanted to see this thing pushed forward. Uh, but for her, it's not over. Oh, okay. Because she has a separate lawsuit. Of course she does. So around the time, I don't have the full history here, but around the time that the U.S. Women's National Team lawsuit was filed. She also had her own separate lawsuit filed. Uh, one was in the Southern District of California. Hers is, or sorry, the Central District of California, uh, which is L.A., which feels Southern, but it's actually the Central District. Uh, and then hers is in the Northern District of California, which is San Francisco. Uh, the U.S. Women's National Team one was a class action. Right now, there's interesting and complicated legal issues we're not going to get into here about opting in or opting out yeah. of the class and how that impacts uh, Hope Solo's separate litigation, which is really brought on the same operative facts and the same kinds of theories. But there's different parts yep. of this. There's equal pay and there's other parts. And Hope Solo opted out of the equal pay part of the class claim. So that oh. can continue on its own for her. It was stayed. Her whole case was stayed, as I understand it, pending the outcome of the U.S. Women's National Team class action claim. Uh, so, But now... Her claim is back on the table again, uh. the Equal Pay Act part. And so now there's a separate judge in a separate district of California that's going to be ruling on Hope Solo's separate claim under the same theory. And it will be interesting to see if this judge adopts the rationale from the district court, from the you know, from the trial yeah. court level, uh, basically dismissing uh, the U.S. Women's National claims. claims from two years ago. Is this judge going to adopt that? Uh, it's kind of what we call persuasive authority. It's not mandatory right. authority. It's a different district within the same circuit. So this judge can go and look at that other opinion and say, yeah, I'm just going to adopt that and dismiss the case. Or it could go with it a completely different direction and hope Solo could end up winning something completely different and bigger and separate from all of the rest of the players. Yeah. Well, but her claims only look backwards. 
Like there's only back pay for her. Right. There's no she's not front playing anymore. There's no there's nothing else playing. right. She's she's been retired for quite some time now. So so the what's on the table in terms of that is going to be less uh in terms yes. of of what kinds of uh, remuneration can come out of this, but she may get something more or different uh from what the other players got and she's made it very clear like she ain't selling nothing. <laughs> right? She's right. she's she's going to go forward with this and and fight it as long as she can and uh i well, think and, it's, and i her, think it's just super interesting right and her claims don't do anything to change the terms and conditions of players now it's nope. only a look back right. so so that i think that is important to distinguish because yes. the settlement does make massive changes looking forward as opposed Absolutely. to just looking back Absolutely. So, so interesting. Uh, it's interesting, and and it's not entirely over yet. And we will continue <laughs> to update on this podcast about that because I frankly I knew about this, but I'd completely forgotten about it. Because in part because I think it was stayed for the last several years pending the outcome right. of the other case, and now it's like, oh right, this thing comes back to life now. Well, and it's it's been stayed for several years, but the statute of limitations will be the one year. From the date she filed the case, so and there's no statute of limitations issue because it was filed. It just got stayed right. pending the outcome of the other case. Right. So even though she's been retired for some time, it's still the look back is still that. It's L- still that L- period. Absolutely. Point. It's not. Yeah. It's not ongoing. I guess. I guess it's not ongoing back pay. It's back pay from right. from right from from a certain point in time at which point she retired or something like that. I don't know yeah. exactly what the timing will be here, but that's that's what it will be. Um, but yeah, there's no statute of limitations issue here. So, okay. All right. Would you like to hear about some super sad stuff? Okay. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm the giggly happy person of the two of us. And I always have like the super sad stories. I, you okay. know, I, I think that works for our dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, great. So I'm going to start with a non-employment issue and take it broader in just a second. Uh, we don't do that here. Um, okay. And well, our listenership, uh, they're here for the employment stuff. I know, I, I know. But after I we just did like, a, after we did like five minutes on war in Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So Minnesota, we have been in a lot of ways the forefront of race issues for the past couple of years. Um, the murder that. of George Floyd. Yeah. Our <laughs> two states Floyd. together. Our two states yes. together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. All right. Yeah. So, but we have an ongoing brewing issue at the high school level here in Minnesota. Now, when you think of big cities, like the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, because really, even though we have an intercity rivalry, they are often lumped together. But then we have first, second, and third ring suburbs. And this issue involves a third ring suburb and a first ring suburb, two first ring suburbs of Minneapolis. And it starts at sporting events. Um, The New Prague High School, which is the third ring suburb, um, has two instances involving high school, a sporting event. The St. Lewis Park, which is a first ring suburb, it's right next to Minneapolis, during a boys hockey uh, event, the, some boys hockey players on the new Prague team made racist comments, which meant that 
as a result, the St. Louis Park High School group, like the whole, will no longer play against New Prague. They made the announcement that they will no longer play in any way, shape, or form any sport against New Prague. Similarly, during a girls' basketball game from fans in the stands of New Prague, they made racist slurs towards the Robbinsdale players. Yeah, I know. Like, You're, just... like... Okay, okay. All right. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, so I'm the set. New yeah, the New Prague suburbs or uh, spectators made these comments, which meant that Robbinsdale, another first ring suburb of Minneapolis, decided they will no longer play against New Prague. And they announced this to the Minnesota State High School League, the group that oversees all sports. And just this week, the Minnesota High School League, along with the School Board Administrators Association, made a statement condemning the racist remarks, but didn't say what they recommended should happen. The new Prague superintendent gave an interview to one of the local TV stations saying, this is a national problem. We understand it's a national problem. We need to do better for it, but did not announce that individuals involved had been suspended or had been kicked out of the district, or could no longer play. In part because of privacy issues, that you can't talk about a student, whether they've been suspended or expelled. But there's been no news out of New Prague about what has happened here. And there's a lot of demands for accountability to New Prague. But then the Minnesota State High School League and the School Board Association said, we should really rely on student groups to raise awareness of these issues. Which I think, sorry folks, is a big fuck you to students. <laughs> it places the blame and the job of the BIPOC students to fix this issue and raise awareness. That is utter bullshit and a complete delegation of their responsibility to provide a safe environment for students. And so it makes me so angry <laughs> if you couldn't tell. I'm 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 actually a little speech like I'm a little speechless like that's great like that oh that just all right I don't know any of this stuff I'm getting this new uh, this this <laughs> right that's up. appalling yeah. yes and so this is where I bring it back to employers the okay one these students who engage in this conduct did not learn this on their own they did not learn racism on their own. It means they learned it from somewhere. And that's fine if you want to blame it on YouTube, which certainly, and Facebook, which certainly hasn't been doing great jobs on these issues, but they learned it from somewhere. And it means that some adult in their life has probably said these things or probably acted this way and thinks it's okay. And that's where we as employers have an obligation to say, uh-uh, that ain't okay. And I've got two examples of organizations saying that's not okay. And one of them is long time listener, not definitely a first caller when it comes to racism. And that is the Estee Lauder organization. And the Estee Lauder organization, um, Ron Lauder in particular, a board member, has for a long time engaged in soft racism and soft anti-Semitism um, and 
has engaged in this behavior for a very long time and has been called out by employees. Now, Estee Lauder, may, you might just think of the cosmetic of just Estee Lauder, but oh no, they own Mac, they own Canique, they own their huge conglomerate, Aveda, they own Origins, like they own most of the, when you go to the mall and you're seeing Estee Lauder, look around, they own almost all of the stuff around them too. And so like, it is a big deal. Well, this week, a senior executive who oversees Clinique and Mac um, had put on Instagram a spoof of a Sesame Street cover that included the N-word. <laughs> Again, Mark is speechless. Like, jaw open is his response to this. I just... He... I mean... <laughs> Like, I know people hold those beliefs, and I know that, that people in their own lives will say things like that, and it's terrible. And But, like, when when did it when did we get to the point where people were like, I'm going to do the calculus on this, and I'm going to say this publicly? 2016. I, okay, so... <laughs> I'm not kidding. I really do think, like, it was okay at that point. Because right after that, in another Minnesota high school, Maple Grove, the day after the election in 2016, there was a bunch of racism written all across that high school. And like, oh, it became okay because it became okay to be openly. We have got white nationalist events being held I, and I know, people I cheering know, Hitler and like, and it's so it's become okay to do this. But we as employers have a job here. Now, the senior executive at S.C. Lauder. Pe- we as people have a job here. Let's, yeah, yes. You know. Yes. But so the senior executive at Estee Lauder has been suspended and he's been with the organization for 30 years. My recommendation would be to term. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but that's where he's at. Then we go to one of the most prestigious universities in the world and one of the most prestigious departments in the world. uh, The psychiatry department at Columbia University. Okay. The chair of the department sees a image of uh, Nyakim Gatwich, who is a model, and she is absolutely gorgeous. And she is gr- a fabulous model. Okay. I pay a little bit too close of attention to fashion, and so I've seen her multiple times. Oh, we she should talk Project no- Runway sometime. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I haven't watched Project Runway in a long no, time. No, I but- actually haven't either, but I... <laughs> I have before. I'm a big Christian fan. Christian Siriano, I big guy, big fan. Okay, but fans of Nyakim call her the queen of the dark because her skin is very dark, okay? And Jeffrey Lieberman, the chair of the Department of Psychiatry, called her a freak of nature in a tweet. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, Mark- I assume that was not meant like, like as a like in it, kind of in that positive way, like you're so uh, absolutely amazingly beautiful that you're a freak of nature kind of way. Like, no. again, I'm not trying to find excuses, but uh, I, I, yeah, if we're talking yeah. about him, he didn't mean it that way. No, no, no. Well, and so he has since apologized, but he has been suspended from his job as well. Um, his apology includes things like he is deeply ashamed of his prejudices and stereotypical assumptions. And he acknowledged that the tweet was both racist and sexist. Um, and 
one woman, a medical student and postdoctoral fellow at the University of Pennsylvania, wrote this really great Twitter thread. Her name is L. Lett. And in it, in an interview, she says, to not understand how racist language like this is harmful when your profession is supposed to care for the mental health of people makes you unqualified to be a psychiatrist at all, let alone the chief of a top program. So, so there we have two organizations, quote unquote, doing the right thing. Again, I would er, highly urge termination here, but it is just unbelievable that people feel like they can go out and make these kinds of comments and our kids are seeing that happen and they are emulating it in certain situations. Now on a positive note on this, to spin this in positive, Katanji Brown Jackson was nominated for the Supreme Court this week, which is super exciting to me. So, so that's all I've got. I try to end on a happy note, but we as employers have got to do better. And just two examples this week of people saying stupid, stupid racist, racist shit. Things. Uh, but at least the organizations involved are are at least theoretically stepping up. Yes. We'll yes. see what they do, but just all right, we're gonna we're gonna transition from education to a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Kate, do you know what a sommelier is? Yes, I do. The person who sniffs the wine, spins it around, and says something pretentious about it. Sort of. It's not just an (laughs) expert on it, but it's somebody who who can be employed, for example, at a restaurant as an expert saying, you know, what are you ordering with your dinner? uh, Or what kind of Mm. dinner? Or like, what what food are you getting? And here, let me find the right wine in your price point to to serve along. So it's at a fancier restaurant that's got a large wine cellar, helps match the patrons with with food and they help with uh, wine and food together and helps with service and other stuff. So Okay. You... I like the people who when I do a tasty menu say this is what you should be drinking with this. So yes, yes that's what that's that's, that's significantly what a sommelier does. Uh, and particularly when I say you look like a heavy pour and then they are. So yeah, that's 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 always a good thing to do uh, right before the tasting. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's worked for me several times. I, Someday I'll tell you the story of steak in at the Paris Hotel in Vegas. It was a night. <laughs> okay. All right. So we know what a sommelier is. Do you know what a master sommelier is? Someone who went and got a, an advanced degree in pretentious wine? sort of it's it's <laughs> basically it's it's an it's an extra test so like you're tested to meet the qualifications of being a sommelier so being a wine expert and you can become i'm i'm spending more time on this because it's something that i actually find fascinating uh but a master sommelier uh has to pass the craziest hardest test you could possibly imagine Okay. Okay. And there's a whole TV show that came out, I don't know, eight or nine years ago about this uh, called Uncorked. And like three people saw it, but I was one of them. And it follows a <laughs> bunch of, of, of sommeliers who are studying for the master sommelier exam. Okay. And the exam has three parts to it. I'm just, this just for education before we get into the ass grabbing part of this. Uh, okay. So. 
and like, I think even if you're not a big wine person, you can watch what these folks have to do and, and appreciate just the amount of skill and education that goes along with it. But basically there's three parts to this test and to become a master sommelier, you have to pass all three sections of it within, I think it's within a year or two years of each other. And if you don't manage to pass all three within that time frame, then it all resets and you have to start over again. Oh, geez. Okay. And, and just, uh, you know, in the United States, there are currently 172 master sommeliers. Okay. Well, so it's almost impossible to pass. It's got like a 1% passage rate because you, you have to, first of all, you have a book knowledge section. So will it be like, what kind of wine do they produce from this vineyard in, <laughs> in the middle of Uganda in 1974? And they're all like, like they know it. And they have binders of information that they have to memorize for that part of the test. Then there's a service portion of the test where they actually have to go and serve master sommeliers who will like, you know, pretending that they're customers in a restaurant saying, you know, I'm, I'm ordering the filet mignon uh, and I would like a wine that's a white wine to go with that, uh, that would pair well with this. Uh, but I don't want anything from France and I don't want anything from Italy. I've, I frankly, I'd like something from South America. Uh, and I don't want anything from before to, right. And so they'll order that. And so then the individual has to know like, what's on the, what's in the cellar, what will pair the best with that and meet the requirements of the customer. Right. But then they have to come and they have to pour and they have to present it. And like, if a drop of wine ends up on the table, they fail. Oh, right. And they have to do even pour. So if there's six people, they have to pour the bottle between six glasses and have them all be even. (laughs) And they even ask them to double decant, like decant it here, decant it to another bottle. Don't spill a drop. So that's the second part of the test. The third part of the test is they put six glasses of wine in front of them. Okay. Okay. Three whites and three reds. And they're like, tell us everything you can about this wine. So a lot of it's pretty easy. Like, so what's the color? You know, what's the, you know, just various things about the quality and describing the wine. But then like the real points come from saying this is from like, I can identify the grape. Like, so this is Merlot as opposed to this is Cabernet or Pinot or whatever. Right. And then like, I think this is a 2012 vintage from this vineyard and freaking Kate, like they get it right just from tasting it. They can figure out what vineyard and producer it comes from and what year and the grape. And and I like watch this show. I'm like, oh my God. So these are super studied, super smart people. So there's a book study. There's a physical part of it and being able to pour and, and not screw stuff up. Yeah. Right. And then you also have to have a palate that is unbelievable. So these people are amazing people. So I want to preface this story. <laughs> That these that in yeah. that sense these are amazing people. They're also a bunch of ass grabbers. Well, of course they are. Just so, because you're an amazing person doesn't mean you're not horny. Uh, well, yeah. I, well, so I just <laughs> like this. The things we talk about on this podcast permeate everything <laughs> and everywhere. And there's nothing that's not you know that that that's not safe, right? Like so. So out of the 172 master sommeliers in the United States. How many do you think are female? Oh, 10. Oh, it's more than that. Okay. 
It's closer 17? to 30. So out, out of the 172, okay. 144 are men. But that still creates yeah. a massive uh, difference. And yep. so I found this article, uh, or I don't know. I, I don't know if I sent it. Maybe somebody else sent it. I don't remember now. From uh, Forbes. Uh, this was from back in November from Mason Basada is the author who's actually taking this from a New York Times story that I tried to access, but I don't subscribe to the Times. Uh, <laughs> that the Court of Master Sommeliers in the Americas is now moving to expel six members, which Uh-oh. is a fairly significant number of the total overall, uh, following an investigation of 22 members who were accused of sexual harassment uh, last year. So this would have been in 2020. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold yeah. on. Why is... Okay, so can I ask a preliminary question? Why is the organization of masters doing this investigation? Aren't they individually employed by people? They're part of an organization, though. Uh, okay. the It's called the Court of Master Sommeliers. And so I don't know what the employment kind of... Uh, they're, they're employed by restaurants. I don't know if they're employees of the court. It's a great question. Okay. I didn't dive in that deep. Uh, but okay. it, but whatever, uh, regardless of whether it's a technically employment situation or not, it is an industry group that yep. is policing its own members. Uh, probably only once significant allegations of a bunch of them came up. But these these acts were happening uh, at Court of Master Sommelier events, not necessarily uh, in the act of them doing their employment. Okay. So okay. Uh, overall, you know, there were... Uh, six men who who the investigation validated uh, were engaging in this behavior that uh, ranged from inappropriate comments and flirting to non-consensual touching and exploiting a mentoring relationship for a perceived uh, quid pro quo. Whoa! And one, I saw one allegation of like actual rape. Whoa! Yeah. So if male sommeliers allegedly offered recommendation letters and other favors to female peers in exchange for sex. Uh, This includes, what's his title? Uh, The co-founder of the American (gasps) branch. And this is the guy, there's also a movie. So I watched the show called Uncork. There was a movie called Psalm. That's a documentary. It was from about 10 years ago. Fred Dame, who's the co-founder of the America's branch of the master sommeliers. uh, He is included as one of the six. Uh, and Ugh. that he is accused of slapping female sommeliers on the rear end at court events and making unwanted sexual remarks. Uh, so he is expected mm-hmm. to be one of the six who will be expelled. Uh, I yes. haven't seen what follow-up there was or, or a validation or verification that they, they actually were um, expelled, but that's what was expected to happen back in November. So um, anyway, uh, as a wine enthusiast uh, and somebody who who in some other ways, idolize these folks uh, for their abilities. Uh, like, come on. Yeah. Stop making me disappointed in everything I care about. <laughs> yes, I understand. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, okay. you got one on more for note, me on that note. Uh, I have I don't have a listener story. Okay. I have so send us your listener stories. Yeah, yeah. Send us more listener stories. There may be some that I didn't scroll back far enough that maybe from the past that I hadn't gotten to yet. Uh, I, there is definitely a recency bias on the hostile work environment <laughs> podcast. For like, if you sent me something recently, uh, I'm probably more likely to have seen it. Uh, if I passed mm-hmm. it over from like six months ago, maybe not. But I, I should go back when I actually have some more time and 
corral some more stories. I know I have some more going back in time. So, but uh, okay. please send us more. Uh, HWEpodcast at gmail.com. Send us stories. But I'm going to finish uh, with something that my wife sent me that was from Twitter. Uh, somebody screenshot a message or note that they'd gotten from their employer, and I'm going to read it to you. And listener, I'm sorry, you won't be able to see Kate's face as I read this. Uh, so I will be the only one who can enjoy that particular aspect of it. But uh, I I have uh, suspicions that I may get a at least a minimal reaction on this. So this is a tweet from or a retweet or, or, or of a picture of a message that was sent from um, uh, an employer to a bunch of employees. Okay? okay. Dear team, I'm sorry to inform you, or I'm sorry to inform those that haven't heard already that our friend and coworker, and then the name is blanked out, has mm-hmm. recently passed away. Oh. Mm-hmm. To mourn the death of someone so dedicated uh, is only natural. If you need a moment to grieve, please feel free to clock out and spend some time in the break room. While it may sound insensitive, it is important that we don't let our productivity slide. I think it's fair to say our dead colleague, whose name is blanked out, wouldn't have wanted that. What? No. No. Oh, my God. Okay, keep going. And And also, please do not clock out while the store is busy as this will add undue stress on the team. God, what a dick. Okay. Right, so undue stress, don't clock out while we're busy. Uh, if there are any issues with this, I have a few, but if there are any <laughs> issues with this and wait for it, please contact me directly and do not discuss these issues with coworkers as it may cause what? undue stress. What? Discussing this may result in immediate dismissal. (laughs) I'm sorry. Now Kate's speechless. (laughs) Oh my. Okay. So I'm not sure the death of a colleague would be considered a term and condition of employment. It's close enough that I'm not saying this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I I, I drowned you out there a little bit. Yeah. So this like. Terms and conditions of employment, concerted activity are what we need for protected activity uh, under the National Labor Relations Act. That on its face would certainly violate the act if you could say that this is work, you know, terms and conditions of employment. I think it gets there. I think it gets there pretty easily because you're talking about like you can't talk about, you know, your dead coworker. You also can't talk about these issues. And these issues might be like, why are why am I not allowed to talk about, you know, these things at work and why am I not allowed to clock out or why don't, oh, you know, yep, or yep. why do I have to clock out or whatever? So it definitely still impacts like, I don't know. I think, I think it gets pretty close if not over that yes. line uh, as like a de facto violation of section seven of the national labor relations. Mm-hmm. Act. But then it concludes. Ugh. And this oh, part, yes, please. This, this part is bolded. Unable to the loved to die for love is immortality. <laughs> and then it's signed <laughs> management. Then it's signed management. Oh, that is barf worthy. Oh my God. But, I hope 
I appreciate that someone took a screenshot of or took a picture of it, posted it on the socials. I appreciate that. And I hope the organization understands just how callous and inappropriate this was. Because, oh, my like, goodness. We want you to take the time to grieve, but not if the store is busy. No. And you still got a clock out. Yep. Uh, which uh. could have, depending on how long the clocking out is, could also have some other FLSA issues, right? You know, but like <laughs> you still got to clock out. And part of our grieving process is that we do not talk to each other about this. <laughs> We're not going to tell you how to grieve, but you can't grieve this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you can't process with anybody else or have any sort of shared experience <laughs> over this extremely sad event that happened to someone who we at least say that we, we love and adore. Uh, yeah. I have uh. questions about whether this management individual who wrote this even has a heart, let alone <laughs> adore or, or, and respect somebody who died, who, who, you know, would not want us to lose productivity well, the, right. no. over their death. No, no way. Right. You know, Fuck we still you. gotta sell those widgets, people. Sell Fuck those you. widgets. Oh my god. <laughs> well, this one got really explicit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nope. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm out of fuck you, Master Psalms. You suck too. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And racist okay. people in Minneapolis basketball games. Fuck you too. <laughs> Minneapolis, but okay, yes, Minneapolis, yes. what third ring of the suburbs? <laughs> if I have to get, yes. I, if I have to get that well, specific, fuck you well, too. And you, you would say the same thing if this was like an outer ring of a, a Portland suburb, right? Like uh, that would never Minne- happen here. <laughs> the whitest metropolitan. I'm kidding. Area oh my god. That, okay, for anybody who doesn't really, like, I was kidding about that. I wish I wasn't kidding, but. Right. Uh, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just giving Kate shit because it's it's <laughs> from her her city, uh, which yes. is which is in fact farther south uh, than mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, with the southerness, mm-hmm. 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 but we're still way colder. I went tubing last night at negative five, so that's true. We were we had a really cold stretch here this week, and it was twenty five when I left in the car the other day. That was as cold as it got. <laughs> Oh, poor things. Okay, so Mark, where can people find you? They can find me online, on the Twitters, at Salad Pants, at the Bullard Law mm-hmm. website. You still laugh at that. That's like, it's just really weird that you <laughs> still think old. it's that funny. I, it's, it, I, I mean, do. I mean, I'm glad you think I'm that clever and funny, uh, <laughs> and I choose to take it that way. It, uh, but it wasn't you that came up with that. Well, I'm That's the one my favorite who, part of it. Well, I, I mean, it, it dates back a really long way, and I'm the one who kept it going uh, and actually called myself that. So I get at least at least some little bit of credit for it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And you can find me at K8BISCH. Um, unlike, and thank you very much, the Delaware uh, Entrepreneurial Society or organization who congratulated me on doing really well in a competition, but it was the wrong Kate Bischoff. So oh, what's the competition? Uh, I don't have it up right here, but it was an entrepreneurial like case study. Oh, and this Kate Bishop did a really good job with her team. And but it wasn't me. <laughs> the uh, Delaware Entrepreneurial Center up uh, made this post and it was pretty great. And did they tag you? So, 
They tagged me. Yes. Oh, but that's awesome. Can't, no, can't, that yes. doesn't that doesn't happen to people with names like mine. No, it doesn't. But I I commented on the post. I said, "So happy with someone with the same name to great, but you might want to tag the right Kate." So, congratulations, Kate. <laughs> oh, I would be like, "I accept your award." <laughs> Please send the cash to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's but. right. <laughs> Set up a proxy, awesome. uh, you know, email mm-hmm. in or not email, but a uh, uh, post office address in Delaware for them to send yeah. it to. <laughs> exactly. So, well, everybody, I hope you have a really good week as as well as can be expected given the state of the world. Yeah, I hope we at least got you to smile once during this, during what's otherwise a shitty week. Uh, And yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot of four letter words in this episode, but we don't (laughs) give a fuck anymore. No, (laughs) exactly. Bye, Bye, everyone. (laughs) 